The following 30-minute podcast is audio from two virtual assemblies hosted by Hathaway Brown School and HB Library. This audio was recorded, edited, and produced by Katie Fink, with permission from Books in Common, and has been reduced to fit our time. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is by Keitsha. Love is here. Good afternoon, everyone. On behalf of Dr. Purcell and the Hathaway Brown community, I'd like to welcome you to today's visiting speaker event. Points of view expressed in this webinar are, of course, the speaker's own and do not represent any official policy or position of the school. We invite you to lean in, listen closely, and participate through the questions in the Q&A. We bring speakers to you via Zoom this year in order to introduce you to some of today's leading luminaries in thought and action. And we hope that hearing from them encourages you to use your voice. The hallmarks of the Hathaway Brown experience are distinguished academics, empowered girls, knowledge in action, and a celebration of community, which we get to see come together through events like today's. Hathaway Brown is a vibrant, diverse community made better and stronger by our differences as much as our common bonds. And we hope today's event enriches our school experience and our conversations moving forward. Good afternoon, Upper School. I'm a 10th grader, Luna Agua, and these are my fellow panelists, Noelle, Sarah, Charlotte, and Sophia. Good morning, Middle School. I am 8th grader Kira, and these are my fellow panelists, Sarah, Oma, Maya, also 8th graders, and 6th graders, Elisar and Sophia. I wish to welcome you to our fourth virtual author visit of the school year. This author is a writer of fantasy and science fiction for both children and adults. She is best known for Venti novellas and has also written novels Akata Witch, Who Fears Death, and Remote Control, which HPBA and HB Library has gifted to every upper school student. She has also written the novels Akata Witch and Ikenga which the HBPA and HB Library has gifted to every middle school student. She has also written for comics and film. Her writing, which she describes as African futurism and African Jujuism, is heavily influenced by her dual Nigerian and American heritage. She is a recipient of multiple awards, including the Hugo Award, Nebula Award, and the Eisner Award. Her novels and stories reflect both her West African heritage and our American life. Rather than identifying as Nigerian American, she refers to herself as Nigerian and explains the importance of her dual heritage during a 2016 NPR interview. She said, that's very much a part of my identity and it's also very much a reason why I think I ended up writing science fiction and fantasy because I live on these borders. These borders that allow me to see from multiple perspectives and kind of take things in and then kind of process certain ideas and certain stories in a very unique way. And that has led me to write this strange fiction that I write, which isn't really that strange if you really look at it through a sort of skewed lens. She noticed how the fantasy and science fiction genres contain little diversity, and that was her motivation for writing books of these genres set in Africa. She wanted to include more people of color and create stories with Africa as a setting because so few stories were set there. She wrote her first story as a college sophomore and made the settings of her story Nigeria. Her stories place Black girls in important roles as they are usually given to white characters. She cites Nigeria as her muse and she is heavily influenced by Nigerian folklore and its rich mythology and mysticism. 
She has also written comics for Marvel, including Black Panther, Along with the King, and Wakanda Forever in the Shuri series. Holding the honors of a doctor in literature and two master's degrees in journalism and literature, she is a strong role model for girls all over the world, including her daughter. Here at HB, we're working to create a more diverse, equitable, inclusive community for all of us. And so authors who share their own voices through their stories, like our author today, give us a window to see something different from ourselves or a mirror to see ourselves reflected in the story. I would now like to introduce you to author Nettie Okorafor. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for having me. I enjoy your books because I had never before seen myself represented in a YA novel since I am Nigerian-American as well. I read Akata Witch back in middle school and it actually really sparked my interest for reading. And so I'm currently reading Akata Warrior and I can't wait for the third book to come out. Your book showed me that there was enough room in literature for our stories and they remind me to be proud of who I am. I would like to ask you, how have your experiences as a Nigerian-American shaped your writing? It's, in a lot of ways, inspired my writing. I started writing when I was about 20. Before that, I had never written anything creatively. I wanted to be an entomologist, which is a study of bugs. So even before I thought about writing stories, I had this, you know, I was very interested in, in just in my culture. So, like, I was born in... I was born in the United States. I was raised mostly in the Chicago area, the, the south suburbs, the far south suburbs of Chicago. And the, the neighborhood we lived in was very racist. So we had to deal with a lot of, a lot of racism in ways that it was the 80s, but in, in a lot of ways that the strength of the racism felt like the 60s. So like that was the neighborhood that we grew up in. We were the first black family to move into this neighborhood. And so that's a, you know, a pretty American experience there. So at the same time, especially around the, starting around um, when I was seven years old, my sisters are, we're all seven, eight, and nine. So we're like each a year apart. So that's why I talk about us like a, a group. Um, my parents started taking us back to Nigeria to meet our family, like meet our relatives, grandparents, um, cousins, aunts, uncles, and just to, just to like, understand that this is where, you know, this is where we're from. So we had that experience as well. So we, we would go back every, probably every year or twice a year. And those experiences were huge because first we were dealing with the racism here in the United States. In, in Nigeria, that's, you know, you didn't, the, the issue wasn't racism. You know, it's a country all black, it's an all black country. And their issue was tribalism. So it's a different completely different dynamic of ism going on there. And so like my world just got really big from those trips because they just kind of made us understand that, okay, the United States is this way, it has this history, but other parts of the world have different things going on. So, so once I started writing those things, like all of that cultural stuff just naturally came into the stories that I was, that I was interested in telling. It wasn't like I sat down and thought, Oh, I want to write these these stories set in Nigeria. It wasn't like it was far more organic. The first stories that I wrote were in the uh, first creative writing class that I took, which was where we were writing short stories. And the very first story that I ever wrote, I set it in Nigeria during one of our trips there with my sisters. And so it wasn't something I really thought about. I just like when you're writing stories, you go where the energy is. You go where, you know, 
where the drama is, where, where you're most interested in being. And that was where I was most interested in being. So it was just a natural thing. And it's always been like that. I mean, from the, from that creative writing class, I haven't stopped writing at all. I've, I've always written since then. And all of my stories have kind of, kind of reflected on this, this dual heritage that I have because I've always been very aware of it. I've always been, I've always faced it. I wasn't, I didn't try to be this or that. I didn't think, oh, I got to choose. I have to be American. No, I have to be Nigerian. It was always both. It was always both. And that's why I call myself Niger-American because it's both of those um, heritages together that fused into something to make me something, something else. So that's where that, that term comes from. So yeah, I mean, to make a long story short, um, like my, my Nigerian American heritage is really almost the foundation of me writing stories. Thank you so much. That really resonated with me. My question for you is, what advice can you give to young writers about coming up with the plots of stories? What inspires your writing? First, I, I think I think it would be my my general advice to give to new writers, which is to write, always write. Do like even if you don't know, even if you don't know what the plot is, even if you don't know where the story is going, just get out there. Because first of all, for me, the way that I the way that I write is there are many there writers all have their own individual ways of writing. Like there there's no one way to tell a story. Really, the, the way to tell a story is what works for you specifically. And as a new writer, that's one of your jobs, is, which is to discover what works for you, which means you can experiment in, with different forms of, um, different ways of coming up with plot, different ways of storytelling. So you don't always have to write in the same way. You don't always have to write from the beginning and then the middle and then the end. It doesn't always have to be linear. For me, I don't write like that. I write very non-linearly. So, so, and I don't like to plot and I don't like to outline. It's, it's intuitive. It's, it's like, I will just sit down and just start writing and whatever comes to me is what comes to me. And eventually the story finds its way as I sit and write. I don't wait for the flash of inspiration either. I will sit down and just start. So it really, it really depends on, um, what kind of writer you are. If you don't know what the plot is, just sit down and like, okay, if you have an idea for something, right? An idea for a story, like the best, yeah, the best way to, to speak about this is in examples because there's no, there are no rules when it comes to writing other than you just, you do it. So if you have an idea for a story and you don't know what the plot is, you have, or you may have a vague idea of what the plot is, you could either, Go for a walk and think about it and see what comes, you know, and, and always have a notebook with you and, and see what comes. Or you can sit down and just start writing the part of the story that you know. You know, like if you have an idea, you often know some part of that story. So you don't have to write the, the like I said, you don't have to write linearly. You don't have to write, even if it is a linear story, you don't have to write it linearly. So if you just have an idea for that part of the story, like, okay, I know this happens over here, then sit down and write that part. Because nine times out of 10, when you sit down to write that part, the next part will come to you as you're writing that part. And it may be what comes after that, that part, or maybe what comes before that part, or maybe way down the line, you know, it, 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 but, but so when you write that, that scene, 
it's usually like I like to stick to small scenes, specific scenes, something happening. You write that part and then more ideas come and then you write that part and then more ideas come when you write that part. It just jumps around. And then next thing you know, you have all these scenes and you string them together. And what I do is I then edit the whole thing linearly, like just edit, edit. And then next thing you know, I have the story. So that's that's just one way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, you, and, and then there are the writers who have a plot and then they sit down and write it. Or they'll write an outline first and then use that outline as a map, you know? So they'll just write it scene by scene by scene by scene, like from beginning to middle end. I know writers who do that. There are all sorts of ways to do it. I know writers who, they don't have a plot at all. They just have like a voice in their head, like this character. And then those, you, you can, and I've had that too. You sit down and just let the character talk to you and have a conversation with the character. And then a plot might emerge from that. So there are all sorts of all sorts of ways to get into the story. There is no no one way to do it. I was wondering how long does it take you to write your books? Yeah, um gosh. Okay, so on on average on average it takes me about 4 years to write these are the novels about 4 years. Um, my novel, Who Fears Death, took me six years. My novella, a novella is a, is a, it's shorter than a novel and longer than a short story, right? And my novella, Binti, Binti is a novella. And that one took me, that one took me about two years to write that one. Um, my new novella, Remote Control, that one, like I said, is shorter than a novel, but it took me six years to write that thing. So it's like, uh, it really depends. It depends. I just finished the third book in my Akata series. And that one took me, and I wrote that during the pandemic, you know, because I was, you know, what are you, you going to do? So I wrote that whole thing during the pandemic. And so that was like within, I wrote in over about six months. And that, that novel is long. It's long. So it's like, it's just a lot of stories. So length doesn't necessarily dictate how long it takes you. Sometimes it could be other factors as well. So, so yeah, um, on average about four, four years. I'm not, I, I don't consider myself a fast writer. I'm not, I'm not a slow writer, I'm a very disciplined writer. So when I'm working on something, I'm working on it. And I keep going until I get to the end. I don't stop. Work. I don't stop. Um, some writers will stop for a few years with something or whatever. But for me, I keep going until I get to the end, and I don't. I don't edit or anything until I get to the end of that thing. So because of that, I know that with when you're using Microsoft Word, you can only have a certain number of typos before before spell check shuts off. I don't know the exact number, but for me, it's like a rite of passage. I know, like. Um, I know that I've I've gotten pretty far in the novel when when the uh, spell checker is like I can't take this anymore because <laughs> I I don't correct the spelling errors at all until the end of the novel and I write very quickly I type very quickly so I just have typos especially when I'm in the zone I just have typos galore like every other word I know what it says but it's it's a lot but yeah yeah so about that about four years. 
So as someone who values the importance of strong female characters, I would like to ask you how you portray a strong female character in a way that does not mask her femininity. I come from a family of strong, strong women. You know, I've grown into a strong woman and I, and I believe that there are like um, different types of strengths, you know, different types of strengths. It's not for, for a while when, when we'd see strong female characters that always meant, and it, it was always sort of in a, um, a patriarchal way, like the patriarchal definition of strength, which is brute force, having power. You know, you look at Wonder Woman and, you know, you see that she's strong and that's what makes her strong. But there's more to Wonder Woman. She's also an ambassador as well, you know, and that's that's a strength that's rarely highlighted with her. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in, in different types of, I've always been interested when it comes to strong female characters in a diversity of them. And when I say diversity, it doesn't just mean like cultural, it means like different types of strength. So like Binti, for example, like a big part of Binti was that she's, she's a really powerful, um, a really powerful character, but her strength is not in brute force. It's in her ability to negotiate and bring peace. It's a, it's a, you know, some would describe it as a soft kind of strength, but it's, it's very powerful and it can, it can solve problems that brute force cannot. I think there are many different types of strong female characters in that. And I think that needs to be explored more um, just to, just to understand the many sides of, of what we call femininity. So my question is for you today, what is it like to be a female author taking action in forever changing YA novels? Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's a, it's, um, it's a powerful feeling. It's a powerful feeling like that, that, you can tell these stories and add to, you know, add to what's out there, add, add those narratives, like fill in the holes that you've seen. Um, and I always wanted to read like, uh, I, I like the idea of science fiction, but the science fiction that I grew up with was very, it was very male. It was very male, very cold and very white. And it did not feel like, uh, the, the, the worlds that were shown in those science fiction narratives did not feel like worlds that I could even exist in, let alone, like I didn't necessarily have to see a direct reflection of myself, but I needed to feel like I could exist, like I could possibly exist in that world. And those worlds didn't feel like that. So that's what I grew up with. And so now, you know, to be able to like fill in those blanks, I often think, God, I wish, what, what would I have been like if I got to read books like the books that I'm writing? You know, as a as a young adult, as a kid, what would have I've been like? Cause I didn't get to see that. I didn't get to experience that. So, but it's a really great feeling to know that I am kind of helping to remedy that now. Like, it's a really good feeling that that there are certain certain types of um certain types of narratives that I just feel like really really are missing, especially that idea of the the female characters with different types of strengths. That's a big one for me. Like I, I didn't want to just see one, you know, female characters who can punch people the hardest and, you know, just with, with brute force, that's their only strength. I wanted to see just a, just a diversity of that. So that's really, it's just, it's, so it feels really good to be able to fill in, um, fill in the holes and then also grow things that, that feel like that 
grow things that had been atrophied or that were budding but weren't hadn't come to fruition yet. So yeah, it's a it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Wow, thank you so much for your response. How do you write authentically and include your voice and stories in your writing without feeling the burden of representing an entire culture to the world? You don't think about it. You don't think about it. You you like for me, I I I don't think too much about audience while I'm writing. Like I can't anyway because like it, the process is so it's so visceral, it's so internal that I can't think about any of that anyway when I'm when I'm writing. I spit it out and I don't worry about that. And like there have been like there's a a novel that I just finished where now I'm worried about the political <laughs> ramifications, but I was I would, I just wrote it. I just wrote it. But like um yeah, I mean you just you're you're honest and and in your in the in your storytelling and just don't worry about what other people are thinking. A lot of that stuff is not uh anything that you have any control of. Like people will will like heap all of that on you no matter what. And 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 it's it's frustrating, but it's not it's really not your fault. <laughs> like I I have come to I have come to that realization like uh I don't really want to represent a whole group of people. I'm just writing. I'm writing my truth, and and the that group of people that I'm that you're claiming I represent is very diverse. So it's like I can't represent that whole group of people. I'm one of them, definitely, and I'm proud to be one of them. But I can't represent. There's there's really nothing um, you can do, and, and certainly don't let that the idea of of that affect what you write. Don't write in a way where you're just like, okay, I don't want them to think this. So I'm going to say that don't even do, just write what you want to write and just totally shut that, that side of, um, that shut that voice off. And then after you've written it, you can look at it and, 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 and make some judgment calls on that. But, but I wouldn't let any of that affect what you write because you don't have any control of that anyway. It's, yeah. Do you ever dream about your characters? That's a good question. Um, sometimes, not often, not often. Um, when I do, it's typically when I'm deep in writing something. Like with, the, with my novel, The Book of Phoenix, there was one time where I was tired and I just wanted to take a break. And so I went and took a nap. And in the nap, she was there. <laughs> she was telling me, she's like, I'm not done talking. Get up. I'm not done talking. So I got up and we continued. So it's like, that, that's usually that's how my characters will come to me. It's usually uh, speaking very directly. But, but other than that, like, I don't dream. My, I know a lot of writers who do dream their plots. And I've, I don't think I've ever done that. You know, I, I just, I have very active dreams, but it's not of my plots. And, and I'm kind of glad with that because, you know, I got to have some escape. You know, it would be, it would be, um, it would be weird for me if I, if I had that. When you lose interest in something, how do you get back into it? You know, it, it's funny because I haven't had that I haven't had that where I've lost interest in something um if you know what if you find something if you're not interested interested in something leave it behind and move on like I can't stand being bored 
I can't like if, if I'm right, if I'm right, this is how one of the ways that I where I know that a scene in a story needs to go. If I'm reluctant to write it, if I'm bored while I'm writing it, if I'm like, oh, like when I think about writing it, I'm just like, oh, God, typically that means to skip it. So like if you're not interested, it's perfectly OK to put it like let it go and um, find something that you're passionate about. It's perfectly fine. Nothing like. You don't have to, you don't have to finish something, you know, it's, especially when you're, when you're just beginning, you, you also have to discern whether you're being like, um, whether you're just, so, some people have a hard time um, focusing on something for a long time, you know, where, where once they start it, they're just like, oh, there's some, some other butterfly flies by and they're looking at that. If, if if that's the reason why you're losing interest in something, you got to learn how to discipline. You got to learn some discipline and focus. Because one of the things about writing stories, um, especially novels, is you need to have discipline and you need to have that focus. So if that, so you have first, you have to discern your reason for not being interested. Like what is it exactly? Are you feeling uninterested because now it's become more difficult because you've gotten deeper in and you're seeing all the work it's going to be? Or is it that you're truly not interested in it? If you're truly not interested in the story, leave it behind, let something else come. Something else will always come. There are stories everywhere. The world is full of stories. But if it's a discipline issue, then that needs to be addressed and attacked in a different way. How do you like incorporate your characters' personalities into like your writing? Um, so like, like I said, my characters are the first thing that come to me for a story, right? So if you think, if you've got like, okay, so if you've got like this short plot, the character runs and jumps off a cliff, right? The, the way the character jumps off the cliff will be different depending on who the character is. It's a completely different story. Like, you know, you've got some who will jump off the cliff and then plummet to their death. And then you have this, the character who jumps off the cliff and discovers that, that wings have burst from their, their back and flies. You know, you have the character who will run to the cliff and refuse to jump because they don't do that kind of thing. You know, it just depends on what, who the character is. Like everything about the plot, this is why char the character comes to me first. Everything about the plot depends on the character, everything. You know, it's, you put a person in a situation and depending on who that person is will depend on the decisions that that person will or will not, or, you know, will or will not or might not make. So, so that's how you incorporate your character's personality into the plot. It's specific. It's specific. A character, I mean, you have, of course, you have like uh, commercial uh, stories where the characters can be swapped out. And you, you could just put in any character. It's the same story. You have that, but you don't really want to write that kind of story. If you want to write, I mean, if you want to write that kind of story, it's 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 story by the numbers. You know, where the plot is more important and the character is less important. But the stories that I find most interesting are stories where the character is really alive in two, in three dimensional, four dimensional even, and um, and everything is specific. Just remember that everything should be specific. Like everything, like whatever your your plot is, it's specific to your character. Your character drives the plot. 
Nadi, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And my panelists, I just want to give you a round of applause. You did amazing. I'm super proud of you. Thank you for coming. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Great questions. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you for coming.